All right, first bridge of the fall, man. I'm so excited y'all are here. Um, man, that's kind of ringy up there. Um, are y'all hearing that, that ringy? Is it gone now? It's gone? Good. Hey, um, so excited you're here. If you're brand new, if you've never been here before, I'm really excited you're here. My name is Tim. I'm the college pastor. I'm trying to get something started on my phone here. Okay, there we go. Um, so excited you're here. Um, and if you're a returner and you've been here a million times, we're glad you're back. Good to see you. Um, I, so maybe you were here this past Sunday. We had MSU Sunday. It was a big day. A lot of people were there, so you might have been there. Um, if you came to MSU Sunday and you came before the service, we do this thing called Life Group. And I'll talk about Life Group here in a little while. Um, if you grew up around church, it's also known as Sunday school. Okay, it's the early morning thing. We eat breakfast, we talk about the Bible. It's great. Okay, so in that environment, I taught that day. And so some of you might have heard this, some of you might not. But those of you who didn't, let me catch up to speed. I told the people in that room in that mo- in the, on that morning that I was not cool in high school. And then afterwards, I realized that that made me sound like I'm saying I'm cool now. I still don't think I'm cool. Like, that doesn't mean that just because I wasn't cool in high school, I think I've just continued that trend. On. I think I'm old now. I don't think I'm cool now. So, But those people kind of were like, okay, yeah, everyone says they're not cool in high school. I wanted to give you photographic proof that I actually was not cool in high school. So I dug through a box. And here's the first image. This is me going in to high school. So that's a bold move right there, right? This is all white. Look at this, a white t-shirt, white shorts, white socks. You can't see it, but I am wearing white Reebok high tops because that's a good look, right? I don't know why I'm mopping. I don't know what's going on, but don't I look, don't I look good? Like, ladies, wouldn't you go on a date with that guy? No? Okay, cool. All right, picture number two, my freshman year. Here it is. Oh, man. Oh, Oh, the hair. Let me tell you, in my defense, that was the look. That was the look. We all combed our hair straight forward and put way too much gel in it, and it was crunchy and shiny and weird. And I don't know what the smile is, but that's just me going like, man, I'm just, man, I'm so cool. That's, I thought, and that was my cool shirt, by the way. That was my cool shirt. All right, and then third picture, this is the night of my graduation from high school. (laughs) So that's Skinny Tim. So Skinny Tim did exist at one point in time. Dad bod Tim exists now, but skinny Tim existed back in the day, so that's skinny Tim. I don't know, I, I saw that picture and I thought, I wonder why, why I made that face, and I began to kind of think back to that night, you know, it's a long time ago, uh, but like, what was I thinking? What caused me to make that face? And my only interpretation of that face, because this was the night of my graduation, is this. I probably was thinking, man, I've heard there's a lot of cool graduation parties tonight, and I haven't been invited to one of them, right? <laughs> that's the picture. Okay, so I wasn't cool, and you might go, why are you showing us all this? First of all, um, just to show you that I'm a loser. But secondly, why am I telling you all this? Because it kind of sets up where we're going. I wasn't cool in high school. I really wasn't. I grew up in a really unstable home. Unstable homes have a way of messing with kids. I, was, I didn't know how to relate to people. I didn't know how to talk to people. I was socially awkward. Um, and so when I graduated high school, I, you know, I went to college, and I made a decision, and this is actually a really common decision. In fact, maybe some of you have made this decision are making this decision, or have lived in this decision for a while. Here was the decision. I knew I wasn't cool, and I decided when I go to college, I'm going to remake myself. Because no one at my college went to my high school. Like, no one from my high school was going to my college. So I knew no one would know at college who I had been, so I'm going to go and totally remake myself. And so in my mind, I don't know that it was even conscious, a conscious choice, maybe it was a kind of subconscious thing, but in my mind, I decided I'm just going to be different. 
I'm going to be confident. I'm going to be loud. I decided I was going to be funny. I don't think that ever really worked out. I don't think it still has worked out much for me, but I decided like I'm going to be funny. I'm going to be outgoing. I'm going to be the life of the party. And so I went to college, and that's exactly what I did. I went about totally remaking myself, and I acted my way into that. But here's the deal. It was all an act. Because who I was in high school was still who I was in college. It was just all an act. I was just faking it, right? Now, part of that is just what we call maturing. Sometimes you do just have to kind of fake your way into figuring something out. So part of that is maturity and just maturing and getting older, and you do do that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I was faking. Like, what you saw, if you went to college with me, what you saw from me was not really who I was. It was all a projection, just an image that I was putting out there to the world, right? Now, here's the deal. We all fake. Every single one of us fakes who we are. We shield. We don't say, you know, we might say almost everything, but not quite everything. Or with this group of people, I'm almost this way, but I'm not that way. Like, we're all guarded. We all are going, I just want to be this way, not that way. And sometimes we do it in silly and really stupid ways. And sometimes we do it in really big and serious ways. Let me give you a silly and stupid way that I did this. It's happened, like, I think probably welcome week. So I was in the dorm, a group of guys, you know, we're hanging out, you know, doing, you know, we're all just getting to know one another, trying to figure out what we're going to do. So we're going out doing stuff. And one of the guys just asks me this question, did you play sports in high school? Now, I had not like thought of an answer to that question. This was not, again, not conscious. This was just out of nowhere. I just blurted it out. I said, oh yeah, I, I played, in fact, I played basketball for that college. So I was like, yeah, I'm playing basketball here, but yeah, I played basketball in college. And he goes, were y'all good? And I was like, oh yeah, our team was real good. And then out of my mouth, without thinking it through, I said, yeah, I made varsity as a sophomore and I was a starter. Okay, first of all, can we just talk about, if you're in college and still talking about how good you were, let's just slow that down a little bit, right? It doesn't really impress a whole lot of people. But here's the deal. I was like, yeah, I, was, I made varsity as a sophomore. We're really good, blah, blah, blah. I was a starter, whatever, whatever. Okay, so here's the deal. What was I doing in that moment? Here's what I was doing. I was trying to project an image to this guy. And the image was, I've always been good. I was good then, I'm good now. I've always been good. The problem was, it wasn't true. I did make varsity as a sophomore. That's true. However, I was not a starter. I was what you call a 40 point. Up by 40 points, you get to go in or you're down by 40 points, you get to go in. In other words, you can't win the game for us and you can't lose the game for us. Go ahead, have some fun, right? That's called trash minutes. Those are trash minutes in basketball. They count for nothing. That is about as far away from being a starter as you possibly can be. I not only not, did not start as a sophomore, I didn't start as a junior. You know when I started for my high school basketball team? My senior year. You know what that makes me? Normal. Most people don't start till their senior year. In fact, some seniors don't start at all, right? I was just a normal player. I mean, we were a good team. I was a good player, but it was just a normal thing, right? I didn't go anywhere. I didn't make any money on it. But in that moment, I just said this thing out loud, and I was projecting this image, right? I've always been good. I've always been good. Now, here's the deal. Is that the end of the world? Is that the biggest sin, most detrimental sin of my life? No, it's stupid. It's just immature and silly. I mean, it, it was a lie. It was wrong. But it was just this immature moment where something popped out of my mouth, and I was like, ooh, I didn't even mean to say that, and then I just kind of had to go with it, right? But in that moment, here's what I learned. 
I can pretend to be whoever I want to win the approval of somebody else, and it works. I learned that lesson off of a really stupid way of faking. But what I did with that lesson is that I then applied it, and I started using it in really serious situations. So again, we all fake. Some of us fake in small and silly ways, but some of us fake in big ways. Here's my big way. While I was in college, I was still insecure. I was still socially awkward, but I was now acting like I was outgoing and could talk to anybody and was confident. And so consequently, I was kind of a ball of nerves all the time, right? Like who I was inside was not matching who I was on the outside. So consequently, I was a ball of nerves. And so what did I do? I sought release. When you're a ball of nerves, high anxiety, you seek release. So what did I do? I do what a lot of college students did and do and still do. I start drinking. I go to parties. I start drinking. Now, my dad was an alcoholic. I knew this was not a smart choice for me to drink. But I'm like, let's just see what happens. Plus, I want to be this guy anyway, so let's just do it. So I start drinking. Here's the problem. My friends were all drinking. I was drinking. My friends could put it down. I couldn't put it down. I mean, my first night, I couldn't put it down. I just kept going because it made everything feel all right, at least for a few moments. And so consequently, over time, I became addicted. I became an alcoholic, right? Maybe some of you have grown up around that. I became an alcoholic. Now, here's the problem with that. When I graduated high school, literally the day after my graduation, I was a full-time student pastor at a small Baptist church at 22 years old. I walked the stage, got my diploma, started the next day as a full-time student pastor. Now I have a big dilemma because I'm the student pastor leading these kids, and yet I am drinking and getting drunk by myself basically every night of the week. But what had I already learned? You remember? In a very small way, oh, I was a starter as a sophomore. What had I already learned? I learned this. I can pretend. I can fake. And I'll win their approval. So what did I do? Every Sunday, without fail, ask my wife. Because at some point, we got married, and she, she got into this whole mess with me. Every Sunday, without fail, I figured out how to fake it. Put on the right clothes. Look good. Put a few mints in your mouth because you drank a whole lot of whiskey last night, so you need to cover that stench. Put some drops in your eyes because your eyes are bloodshot. If anyone asks why they smell alcohol, you say you just sanitized your hands. I was a master of faking it. Now listen, let's compare the two. Saying I was a starter and as a sophomore, not the end of the world. Who really cares, right? It's a small little thing. I shouldn't have done it, but it's a small little thing. But pretending that I'm healthy when I'm really sick, that's a big deal. Pretending that I'm okay when really I'm suicidally depressed, I wanted to kill myself and check out because I couldn't figure out how to get out of this. That's not okay. Pretending in that moment is not okay. But I was so stuck and so trapped that I did not know how to get out of it, right? Now, here's the deal. Here's what I learned in all of this. And we're going somewhere for you. You're going, you're just talking a whole lot about yourself. Hold on, we're coming to you. Here's what I learned in the midst of all of this faking and finally getting to a point in my life where I actually am real, right? Here's what I learned. It'll be on the screen. The longer you pretend to be someone you aren't, the longer you stay trapped. 
you're building a prison for yourself and locking yourself in. The longer you pretend to be someone you aren't is the longer that you stay trapped. Now, you all do this. Every single person, I'm just going to throw it out there, every single person in this room fakes it in one way or another. Everybody does it. Right? I can give you a couple examples. Some of you have different friend groups, and when you're with this group, you're one way, and when you're with that group, you're a totally different person. What is that other than faking? Who are you? Why aren't you the same? Y'all have seen that, right? You've maybe even experienced it yourself. Some of you have dated one person, and when you dated this person, maybe it was a guy, you dated this guy, and when you dated this guy, you were totally this girl. And then y'all broke up, whatever happened, you know, and now you're dating this guy, and you're a totally different girl. Why? Because this guy liked me to be this way, but this guy likes me to be this way. It's faking. Who are you? Who are you? Right? Every single one of us fakes on social media. Social media is the worst because we're all like, oh, my life is so great. Look at our, our, my beach pics, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but here's the deal. Behind the screen, like behind the post, you're chronically depressed and lonely. We know that from stats. Your life's not that great, but the image that you put out to the world, you want to make it look like you're doing great. That's faking. You're pretending. And the worst, and this happens so much, and this is what I'm actually talking against tonight. The worst, those are all bad, but the worst is this. Some of y'all have done the same game that I've done, and that is you go to church and you know how to play the game. You know how to sound right, look right, be right in that moment. But in all actuality, in the other areas of your life, you're totally different. Listen, we all do this. We all do this. But here's the deal. The longer you pretend to be someone you aren't, that's as long as you're going to stay trapped. You stay trapped in this. Why do we do this ultimately? Why do you fake? Because you do. Let's just call it like it is. You do. I do. I still do. I'm better at it now, but I still fall into it. Why do we do it? Here's why. Because the drug that you crave more than anything else, and it's what I crave too, is acceptance. It's acceptance. I want people to accept me. It's a drug. We're all hooked on it. And we've all bought into this lie. It'll be on the screen. As long as the outside is shiny and put together, in other words, the part that people see, as long as this looks good, the things that I'm saying, the actions of my life, as long as it looks good to the outside world, the part that you can see, then everything will be okay and people will accept me. I'll be accepted. That's what we believe. It's a lie that we believe. But the longer that you pretend to be someone you aren't, that's how long you'll stay trapped. If that's you tonight, if you're a pretender, or if you're tempted to go down the road of pretending, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want to read a passage tonight. In fact, I'm only going to read two verses. That's it. It is an interaction that Jesus has with a group of people who were masters of pretending. These guys are the guys by the name of the Pharisees. Pharisees were religious leaders of Jesus' day. In other words, they were the pastors of Jesus' day. By the way, if you hate if you hate hypocritical religious leaders, then you would really like Jesus because Jesus hated hypocritical religious leaders. He can't stand them. And Jesus is interacting with this Pharise these Pharisees, and he says, I see it in you. I see this in you. And here's what he says. It's Matthew 23. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. It'll be on the screen. Matthew 23. Here it is, verse 25. Here's what Jesus says to a group of fakers, religious fakers. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, that's harsh. 
Like, you know, we grow up, maybe you didn't grow up in church, and that's great. I mean, we're glad you're here. Maybe you did. But when you grow up, you kind of think, like, Jesus was, like, meek and mild and nice and kind, you know, and he just said nice things all the time. Oh, no, he, like, threw people out of church and turned over tables and said some pretty harsh things to people a lot, too. And here's one of these moments. He says to these religious leaders, the pastors, he says first, woe. Woe to you. What does woe to you mean? Here's what it is. This is a warning. And it was a really serious warning. There's no joy, no love, no kindness in his face in this moment. This is serious. Woe to you. In other words, I see what you're doing. Jesus says, I see what you're doing. And more importantly, or or, or on the same level with that is, my heavenly Father sees what you're doing. And neither one of us, him nor I, are okay with this. So you better watch out. He says, woe to you, you teachers of the law and Pharisees. And then he says this word, and we use this word. He says, you hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is. The simple definition of a hypocrite is say one thing, do the other. Right? We're on the same page. Say one thing, do the other. It's actually a little bit more complicated than that. The the word hypocrite is this super ancient Greek word. Back in Jesus' day, it was kind of a Greek word. Greek slash Roman, Greco-Roman world. The Greeks were famous for putting on these big plays, these Greek tragedies. They would have a play. They would have all these parts in a play, just like plays today, all these parts. But they would never have enough actors to fulfill the parts. So what they would do is one actor would fulfill multiple parts. The way that worked is this. The actor would come on stage and he would put on a mask before he came on. And when he wore this mask, he played that part. And then he would go backstage, take off this mask, put on another mask, and go out and play a totally different part. That is where we get the word hypocrite from. What it means is this. When you're with that group of people, you put on this mask. When you're with that group of people, you put on that mask. When you're with your boyfriend, you put on that mask. When you're at church, you put on that mask. When you're at school, you put on that mask. When you're on the team, you put on that mask. When you're in the fraternity around your brothers, you put on that mask. But who are you? Like, at what point do we see you? Because all we see is a collection of masks. Who are you? He says, listen, guys, you need to be careful. Woe to you. You are hypocrites. And then he finishes. Here's what he says. You clean the outside of the cup. Why? Because they believe the lie. Everything outside is nice and shiny. Then everything will be okay and I'll be accepted. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. In other words, he says, here's my illustration. By the way, I picked a Chick-fil-A cup because we're talking about Jesus, so I figured it worked, right? Okay. Um, Thank you, Alex, by the way. Alex gave me this. Thanks, Alex. My pleasure. What an idiot. All right. Just say you're welcome for crying out loud. That's why I go to Whataburger. All right. Anyways, they don't even say nothing. They're like, yeah, cool. Um, All right. So let's, let's say right now you go, man, you, you know, whatever you're doing, you go, hey, I need a cup. I go, oh, I got a cup. You're like, oh, that's a great cup, Chick-fil-A cup, right? It looks great. And the outside looks good, right? But say, say before weeks ago, before this interaction between you and I, say I'd given the same cup to my five-year-old daughter named Olivia. If you haven't met Olivia yet, just wait. <laughs> She's fun. All right. So say I gave her to Olivia, and Olivia, I poured milk in this cup. And we got in my car, and we went down the road, and she took like two sips, because that's what she does when you give her anything. 
And then she leaves the cup in my car, and I don't realize the cup's in my car, and it's August, and the cup sits in my car for a long time. This has happened several times in my life, and it's tons of fun. So say you go, Tim, I need the cup. And I go, great, I got a cup. And then I hand it to you, and this has been sitting for weeks. And you pry out. Now on the outside, you go, that's a great cup. Y'all thought there was milk in there, didn't y'all? So you pour open, you pour open the cup, and what do you see? You, all of a sudden, the stench, the chunks, and you immediately throw the cup away, right? I don't want this cup. Why? You don't give a rip what the outside of the cup looks like, do you? What do you care about when you need a cup? The inside is, right? Here's what he's saying. Look, you guys have done so, such a good job. The world, you fooled the whole world. They think that you're this great religious leader. You're outside, you're shiny, you wear the right clothes, you say the right things. But I see this. My father sees this. And we're not okay with it. Woe to you. Woe to you. Here's the bad news. If you're a pretender tonight, I'm going to give you bad news. We're going to sit in it for a second, then I'm going to give you good news. Here's the bad news. It'll be on the screen. Jesus sees through the show. Whatever show you're putting up, he sees through it. Paul even says that later on in the Bible. He says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. He cannot be fooled. He sees. Whatever show you're putting on, he sees through it. You know what that means? This is bad news for the Pharisees. I see through the show. But you know what this means? Let me, let me broaden this out from you. Take some people you might know. If your parent is a faker, a pretender, you go, what does that mean? Here's what I mean. If everyone in your hometown goes, oh my gosh, I love your mom. Your mom's so great. Or, oh my gosh, I love your dad. Your dad's so great. They're so wonderful. Da, 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 da. Maybe they do a great job at their work or whatever. And everyone just talks about how great they are. And you're like, but you should see what happens when they close the front door. You should see what goes on behind closed doors. If your parent is that parent, here's what I would tell you. They might have fooled the world. They haven't fooled Jesus. He sees through the show. If you have a family member, oh my gosh, your sister's like so perfect. Why can't you be more like your sister, by the way? That's a lovely thing to say to somebody. Like, and your brother's great, and you're da-da-da-da, and you're going, dude, if you only knew, if you only knew what they were doing, here's what I would tell you. They could fool the world, but they can't fool him. If you have a friend, and everyone's like, this is the model friend, and they're perfect, and da-da-da-da, but you go, listen, they're running games like all over town, and it's complicated, and it's weird, but if you only knew the half of it, your friend might fool the world, but they haven't fooled God. And now let me make it personal. If you are a pretender, if you are a faker, you might fool the world. It's not that hard to do. I did it. I did it for a long time. It's not that hard to do. But we haven't pulled anything over on him. Here's what Jesus would say to us tonight, right? If you're fake, if you're pretending, if you're holding something back, if you're not being real, listen, you may have fooled the world, but not Christ. Here's my challenge to you, okay? This is my challenge. We would love, and I'm saying this for real, we would love for you to be a part of the Bridge College ministry. We would love for you to, and I'm not just talking about Tuesday nights. This is like the tip of the iceberg of what we do. We do Sunday mornings. We're going to walk through the book of John this fall. In a few weeks, we're going to start home groups. I'll talk about this in announcements. We're going to start home groups. This is where students just gather around a living room and just support one another and walk through stories in the Bible and ask questions and journey deep. We would love for you to be a part of the college ministry of our church. And by the way, if this isn't the right fit for you, I can recommend a whole bunch of other great churches in this town. It's not all about us. 
We'd love for you to be about Bridge College Ministry, but hear me on this. If you're going to be a part of our ministry, hear me, be the real you. Be the real you. What do I mean by that? Can you put this list up on the screen? Bring your real questions. You go, man, I got hard questions. And at other churches, I have to do this and just fool everybody. No, we don't want that. Bring them. Bring your real questions. Bring your real doubts. Bring your real problems. Bring your real story. Bring your real fears. Bring your real mess. Bring your real personality. I don't have any more time left in my life to deal with fake people because I was one for so long and I interacted that way for so long that I can't stand it. It makes me sick. If you're going to come, and we want you to come, but be you, be real. Be the real you. Bring the whole picture in. You can fool us all you want to. How is it possible? It's so easy. It's so easy. I did it. You can fool us, but why? 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 Number one, you've already heard I'm an alcoholic, recovering, but I'm an alcoholic. So I got a whole laundry list of stuff that I've done in my past. I, try to op- I, I talk about that to try to give you a lane to where you can come alongside and say, I got problems too. Listen, if I can be here, you can be there, right? Why fool us? I've given you license. And besides that, Jesus is going, I see the real thing anyways. Here's, here's what you're going to find. If you come to the Bridge College Ministry, and if you join, and this is not a sales pitch, this is a message, but if you join like a life group, or if you join a home group, here's what you're going to find. If you circle up, because life change always happens in circles. By the way, life change almost never happens in rows. Your life doesn't change sitting in a row. It changes sitting in a circle. If you join one, and you start getting real, and I know you got to build trust, and there's some time in that. I'm not expecting you on week one to go, well, let me tell you everything that ever happened in my life. No, you, you got to build up to that. But if you get to the point where you start going, let me get real in this, here's what you're going to find. When you do this to a group of people and say, let me tell you what's inside, what you're going to find is this. We are all, all, every single one of us, all in the exact same boat. Our shirt, the free shirt, if you don't get one tonight because we run out or something, we'll, we'll get your info and get you a free shirt. The back of that shirt says, we have a place for you or you have a place here How could I make such a claim? I don't even know many of you. How can I make a claim that we have a place here? I can make that claim because you're no different than the rest of us. We all have the same stuff in here when we finally get real about it. You know what we have in here that we all share in common? The first is this, pain. Every single person in here has walked through some type of traumatic, painful experience. Every single person. I don't care how how on the outside, how strong you are. You've all walked through pain. Maybe you've had a mom and dad who said or did something to you and caused great pain. Maybe your mom and dad split up. Maybe dad left. Maybe mom had an affair. Maybe dad had an affair. But something happened and it's caused huge amounts of pain. And here's what we do with pain. We shove it down as far as we can in the cup and then we shine the outside. Don't let anyone see. Some of you have had boyfriends or girlfriends or friends who've done something. Some of you have been abused. Maybe you've been abused Physically, I was. Maybe abused mentally, I was. Maybe you've been abused emotionally, I was. Maybe you've been abused sexually. Some of us have been abused, and what we do is we shove it down as far as we can into the cup, shine the outside, don't let anyone see. When we start opening up, what we find out around that circle, wait, there's other people that have that kind of pain too, right? Because we're all walking through that. Some of you have been neglected, left out, forgotten, and you shove it down the cup. When you start doing this, what you see is this. We're all in the same boat. That's not the only thing we all share in common. You know what else we share in common? It's sin. 
We all have pain inside the cup, and we all have sin inside the cup. We have all, maybe because of the pain, we have chosen to go against God. We have done some things that we shouldn't do. Some of you have huge anger problems. Some of you have unforgiveness, bitterness. Some of you, at 18 years old, are already in addiction land, maybe to a substance or to pornography or to something else that is highly addictive, but you're sucked in. You can't break free. And what we tend to do with sin is this. Shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. Close it up. Shine the outside. Don't let anyone see. And here's what happens when we live this way. You live inside of a prison because you're terrified that somebody might figure out what's actually going on, but somebody already has. It's Jesus. And he would say, don't you want to be free? Like, don't you want to be free? Right? Don't you want to? Here's the bad news. Jesus sees through the show. Here's the good news. It'll be on the screen. Ready? Jesus not only sees through the show, but he calls you into freedom. He sees through the show, but he calls you into freedom. Go back to the text, Matthew 23, 25. Why does Jesus blow these guys up? Is it just to make them feel bad? Is that the purpose? Let me pop you in the face? No. No, I mean, they're harsh words. They needed harsh words. Why does he say this to them? You hypocrites, why? Because he's given them one more chance. Change. Don't be this way. I'm confronting the action so that you might change the action. Don't keep doing this. Look at what he says in verse 26. Blind Pharisee. In other words, open your eyes. Guys, listen, look at me. Don't you see if you live this way? This is crazy. That's a crazy way to live. That's totally crazy. He says, open your eyes. Don't you see? Like, this is ridiculous. You're cleaning the outside, but not the inside. You're making sure everything out good out, but not in. And so he says this. First, why would he give this advice unless he wants them to change? First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. He says, guys, it's time to change. Clean the inside, and then the outside will be clean too. In the next few weeks, as we talk through this series, this unknown, because we want you to go from unknown to known, in the next few weeks, we'll talk about how we actually clean the inside of the cup, and I'm going to go in depth on it, but I'll let some of it out of the bag here. First of all, it's about actually telling the truth. James 5.16 tells us to confess our sins to one another, pray for, pray for one another, because then you'll be healed. We actually have to tell people what's going on. Galatians tells us to bear All right, so let's, let's say right now you go, man, you, you know, whatever you're doing, you go, hey, I need a cup. I go, oh, I got a cup. You're like, oh, it's a great cup, Chick-fil-A cup, right? It looks great. On the outside, it looks good, right? But say, say before weeks ago, before this interaction between you and I, say I'd given the same cup to my five-year-old daughter named Olivia. If you haven't met Olivia yet, just wait. <laughs> She's fun. All right. Say I gave her to Olivia, and Olivia, I poured milk in this cup, and we got in my car. And we went down the road, and she took like two sips, because that's what she does when you give her anything. And then she leaves the cup in my car, and I don't realize the cup's in my car, and it's August, and the cup sits in my car for a long time. This has happened several times in my life, and it's tons of fun. So say you go, Tim, I need the cup. And I go, great, I got a cup. And then I hand it to you, and this has been sitting for weeks. And you pry out. Now on the outside, you go, it's a great cup. 
Y'all thought there was milk in there, didn't y'all? So you pour, you pour, open the cup, and what do you see? You, all of a sudden, the stench, the chunks, and you immediately throw the cup away, right? I don't want this cup. Why? You don't give a rip what the outside of the cup looks like, do you? What do you care about when you need a cup? The inside is, right? Here's what he's saying. Look, you guys have done so such a good job. The world, you fooled the whole world. They think that you're this great religious leader. You're outside, you're shiny, you wear the right clothes, you say the right things. But I see this. My father sees this. And we're not okay with it. Woe to you. Woe to you. Here's the bad news. If you're a pretender tonight, I'm going to give you bad news. We're going to sit in it for a second, then I'm going to give you good news. Here's the bad news. It'll be on the screen. Jesus sees through the show. Whatever show you're putting up, he sees through it. Paul even says that later on in the Bible. He says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. He cannot be fooled. He sees. Whatever show you're putting on, he sees through it. You know what that means? This is bad news for the Pharisees. I see through the show. But you know what this means? Let me, let me broaden this out from you. Take some people you might know. If your parent is a faker, a pretender, you go, what does that mean? Here's what I mean. If everyone in your hometown goes, oh my gosh, I love your mom. Your mom's so great. Or, oh my gosh, I love your dad. Your dad's so great. They're so wonderful. Da, 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 da. Maybe they do a great job at their work or whatever. And everyone just talks about how great they are. And you're like, but you should see what happens when they close the front door. You should see what goes on behind closed doors. If your parent is that parent, here's what I would tell you. They might have fooled the world. They haven't fooled Jesus. He sees through the show. If you have a family member, oh my gosh, your sister's like so perfect. Why can't you be more like your sister, by the way? That's a lovely thing to say to somebody. Like, and your brother's great, and you're da 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 and you're going, dude, if you only knew, if you only knew what they were doing, here's what I would tell you. They could fool the world, but they can't fool him. If you have a friend, and everyone's like, this is the model friend, and they're perfect, and da 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 but you go, listen, they're running games like all over town, and it's complicated, and it's weird, but if you only knew the half of it, your friend might fool the world, but they haven't fooled God. And now let me make it personal. If you are a pretender, if you are a faker, you might fool the world. It's not that hard to do. I did it. I did it for a long time. It's not that hard to do. But we haven't pulled anything over on him. My name is Dr. Jones, and I've been called off. Will y'all give it up for David? <clears throat> Two powerful lines, man. I'm a living miracle. And you can be too. But it does take kind of one of those, oop, I got to do that. So that's where you find freedom. And the second one was this. God pulled me out of the pit. It's a powerful line. And I didn't, I didn't give him a script. These are his words. God pulled me out of the pit so that he could send me back into the pit and pull other people out. That's good. That's really good. And that can be your story too. Because the moment you start doing this is the moment you give freedom to everyone else in the room to actually be real. Because we're all just so desperately waiting. Who's finally going to be real? And we're all such cowards that we're just waiting for someone else to do it. You have the point. You have the moment. You have the chance. Here's what I'm asking you. 
Whether you choose the bridge or another ministry, honestly, I support you no matter what you pick in that decision. It's great. Just go to a church. Plug in. It's great. But wherever you end up, be real. Bring all of it. Because no one can help the fake you. And in fact, let me tell you this. And as I'm closing, Jesus didn't even die for the fake you. He didn't die for this version of you. You know who he died for? This version of you. With all the pain and all the sin shoved down in your life, that's what Jesus died for, not this. So Jesus can't even help the fake you until you're willing to say, here's the real me. Because that's who he died for. And praise God, he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And proving he has conquered sin and death and shame and all of it. And he has the power to clean the inside of the cup. If he was still in the grave, I wouldn't be talking tonight. And we wouldn't be talking about him. And I wouldn't use any of this cup illustration. But he has the power to clean the inside of the cup. Because he's not a dead anymore. He's sitting at the right hand of God. Here's what I want you to know. I'm going to close. We would love for you to be here. But be you. Be you. All of it. We're ready for it. And here's what I tell you tonight. As we close, we're going to sing a song. And if you need to talk to somebody tonight, maybe you go, man, I just need some help. I need to talk to you. I need to tell you some things. I need to get something off my chest. Then either during this song, I stand in that back corner right over there. You can come over to me in the back during the song or hang out tonight. When we finish, lots of people just hang out. Hang out. Come find me. I'll pray with you. I'll do anything I can to help you. I can't help the fake you. I can help the real you. Let me pray for us. Father. Thanks for tonight. So many people came, and that's not because we manipulated or did anything. I think you just drew people here, and I, I, I have to believe you gave me this message about four weeks ago, and I felt like it was what I was supposed to say, and then here they are, and so I, I, I just have faith and confidence that you brought them here because you wanted them to hear this. So many of them are going to be tempted to go down the road that I went down, and it is a road that leads to prison cells and shackles, and I just pray they avoid it that through the power of your spirit, you bring them to a new place. So many of them have already walked down the road I walked down for a long time, and right now they're wrestling. Do I even have hope? Is there still a chance? I've heard so many messages and nothing's ever changed. I pray you give them confidence to do the right thing, to do the only thing that makes sense, and that's to clean the inside of the cup. And the only way we can do that is through being real with people around us, telling them what's going on, letting them pray for us, letting them support us as we walk the road. God, you're doing an amazing thing in this city, at MSU, at Vernon, at Shepherd, around the town. I just pray whatever part we can play in it in the lives of these students and the life of this town, I pray you unleash your blessings on us and on these students. Bless them, bless their families, and help us to have a year where we pursue freedom, real freedom, in our relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We'll sing.